A warm welcome to everybody. My name is Aston and welcome to my channel. I'll be uploading a lot of ministry content, some preaching, some Christian apologetics, substance abuse recovery material, and some life coaching principles and strategies. So we are doing part five um, today of Philippians. And uh, after part five, we will, uh, so to say, be done with uh, Paul's thanksgiving and prayer. And those are just some of the things that we're going to look at. And in part five, we're going to see some things um, that we can bracket into spiritual maturity, um, growing as a believer, and things like Philippians chapter number one. And let us read from verse seven all the way to verse 11, and it reads as follows. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my prayer, in my heart, and you are all partners with me in the grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and establishment of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you can approve the things that are superior and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. So... What are characteristics of growth? We can define growth um, according to certain terms and in certain things. Uh, somebody in gyms, you can determine growth by muscle. Um, you know, people that are, are, are into uh, financial gain and things, they can determine growth by uh, their bank balance or um, the assets that they have. Um, and then you get other things, um, you know, couples can determine growth by how well they communicate with each other. Um, they can determine growth by the amount of time that they spend with each other, their dedication to each other. Um, I remember we done the, the, I think it was eight parts, um, our previous series, especially on the podcast, where we were looking at growing as a believer. And here's just some more things that we learn about the Philippians. Um, and after verse 11, we go straight into how Paul shares that um, God's message continues to advance even though he's in prison. You know? And we learn something from that, that the message is not a human message that is limited by um, human limitations. But it's God's message and God's message will continue to grow. But we learn more about the nature and the characteristics of the Philippians. And uh, they give us somewhat of hints of what growth can look like. So, coming off the wagon of what we've been learning, um, what we've been learning from verse 6, we looked at it yesterday, Paul says, um, I'm sure or I'm certain of this, that he will start a good work in you, will carry it, un- carry it to completion until the day of Christ. Um, and then in verse 7, he, he, he explains that um, this is what is 
in his mind. This is what is in his heart. This is what he thinks about about these believers um, in Philippians. He says this, It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and in the establishment of the gospel. So we've learned and we're learning about the Philippians. These are quite dedicated people um, to ministry. Um, the defense of the gospel, um, the establishment of the gospel, and um, they're even there for Paul in a time of need. So uh, these people are quite committed. Okay, and Paul's assurance comes from him knowing God and him knowing them. Um, that he's confident that the person that starts working, you can carry it on until the day of completion. And here we pick it up in verse 8. He says, For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. Now, we can see the measure of um, appreciation and value from Paul, but we can also see the measure of value that they bring to his life. So as much as Paul's heart is filled with gratitude in just remembering the Philippians, um, it doesn't just end there. Paul actually misses them being around. Now, here's a question. Do people miss you when you are around? Well, here's another question. Does the church miss you when you're not around? You know? Is there some stuff about your life? Is there some sort of value that you bring in, value that you add? Now, you'd think at this moment, um, I'm sure my family would at home would even miss me when I'm not around. But we're not just talking about family missing your physical presence. We're talking about the value that you add to the body of Christ, to the local church. And the church missing you for god is my witness how deeply i miss all of you and he says with the affection of christ so something that we also learn about this word affection here of christ something that we need to keep in mind is when we are christians we don't shy away or run away from our emotions you know you'll hear in the world uh, uh real men don't cry no real men cry real men do cry Real men actually show their emotion. They actually show their affection. You know, um, We are not made by God to be hard like a rock. And if we are hard, it's probably because the Lord has hardened us like he did Pharaoh. Um, but we see here that um, the affections is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. And the passion that Paul has comes from his relationship with Christ. And his ability to show that um, to the other believers. Verse 9. And I pray this. So Paul lets them into his prayer. And this is what I want us to really highlight right now. He says this, that your love will keep on growing. So Paul's prayer for them. So obviously Paul knows that this church has a love for him. Well, they brought him gifts. They, they are defenders of the faith, defenders of the gospel. Um, they are a small church that started and started growing and they are with Paul and they are with the gospel message. Now, something that we need to understand about love is love originates somewhere. And many times we only define love as an emotion. Okay? Um, you, if, if, many times when I speak to married couples, um, you'll hear some of them say, you know, I, I just don't feel that I love them anymore 
And that's the mistake that we make is because we base love only on emotion and we don't base love on the, the verb of love, the act of love. Uh, small hint, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. So God's love is not only seen in emotion towards us, but it's seen in something that God does. What is the act of love? God lays down and gives his, his life, okay? The life of his one and only son. So when we say we love, our love isn't only based on emotion, but our love actually has to have knowledge to it. Our love actually has to have action to it. And in this particular context, we see Paul describing it as this. He says, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing, and here it comes in knowledge. So love should not be without intellect, in essence. So in other words, it's not misplaced love. It's actual love. Love that has meaning. Love that has substance. Now, think about the biggest command that the Bible gives us. And the entire law is summed up in this one command. Love the Lord God with all that you are. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Which means um, your ability to show that you have love for yourself does not come from what you do only for yourself, but what you do for neighbor. Because you love your neighbor as yourself. So many times, especially when we speak about the charity of Christ, or the generosity of a believer. I always tell people, would you go and buy for you broken socks with potatoes in it? You know, potatoes for our listeners um, is those big holes that is in your sock and your toe sticks out of it. Potato, we call them potato in South Africa. You know, we call them potatoes. Ma- uh? Mazambans. <laughs> Mazambans. They're Mazambans, you know. And they can be like a fat cake. So, <laughs> so, so, do you go to the shop and buy that for yourself? No. Instead, you buy yourself something of quality. Now, here comes the thing. When you give that to your neighbor, you're actually not loving yourself. Because you ought to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Think about that. Love, um, he's, he's praised this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge. How much do we really know about love? And the desire that Paul has for the church at Philippi is for them to grow in love, um, in knowledge. And he says, every kind of discernment. Now, something we have to understand about discernment. So, having God in our life, God will convict us. You know, people call it that still small voice. Um, and what they mean by that is, you have some sort of a conscience telling you that is wrong, this is right. That is wrong, this is right. That is wrong, this is right. You have that conscience. But our conscience is without, is, can't be without some sort of a knowledge. Now, what testifies that our conscience is true is the Word of God. So when you read the Bible and the Bible affirms that that is wrong and this is right, then we are following through with discernment. Discernment is being able to distinguish that right from wrong. Okay? So keep that in mind and it has to relate to the Scriptures. Oftentimes you'll hear people say, you know, God told me something. And then God tells them something that is completely opposite to the Bible. How does, how does God contradict his own word when he esteems his word above himself? How can God contradict his word? God doesn't contradict his word. We must represent who God is because we don't have discernment. And our discernment doesn't testify 
to the word. So what is Paul's prayer? That you will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Then he says, so all of that should result in something. So now we're seeing how this growth process moves from one facet to the next. And then he says, so that you can approve the things that are superior. So remember something. We, um, there's, that, there's this word approved. Or approve. It is, it is something that is not isolated in a thought on its own, but is confirmed by multiple things. Okay? So that you can approve the things that are superior. So if we are not growing in love um, and keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, how are we going to know the things that are superior? You know, how are we really going to have meaning to life when you aren't growing in those things? You know, the, the, the height of human moral ethic is love. You don't, you don't reach a higher moral than that. Love. And love originates from God. Why? Because God is love. First then, so that you can approve. So if we aren't growing in those things, how are we going to move on to the next facet? You know, if, if, I, always, I always think of, of, of these, these type of moments like muscle groups. You know, imagine you only jump chest and your arms are like toothpicks. And your legs are like earbuds. I mean, think about it. You just got chest. That's all you got. <laughs> no, uh, we're not talking about you. I was laughing like, hey, pastor. That's a low blow. No, no, no. Imagine you only work one muscle memory. Thin arms and thick legs. Instead, we do what? We work the entire body. We have leg day. We have chest day. We have back day. Biceps, triceps, lats. You know, calves. Then we're cutting. And then we're doing cardio. Why? Because it's a full body workout. But why when it comes to spirituality, we assume that spirituality is only working one part of the body. Here's love. Here's knowledge. Here's discernment. Here's approving of things that are superior. See, it's not just one area of our life that needs to grow. And then he says, and can be pure. So there's that thing of purity again. How pure are we as believers? Now, now, here's the thing is, um, Paul is praying for these things. And is the church absent of those things? Well, we know that there's a degree that they have of it. And Paul's desire is that that muscle will start growing. So, are we growing in purity as believers? Huh? Uh, you look at the churches today. You can't tell the, the preacher from the pump. They look the same. The suit is the same. The car is the same. The vocab is the same. Huh? I always tell people, if you put me, you can put me in any scene, any scenario. Somehow, some way, I'm going to preach. Somehow, some way, the name of Jesus is going to be mentioned. We're going to talk about the Bible. I'm passionate about our ministry. I'm going to talk about addiction. Yesterday, I mean, out of so many topics, it was my brother's birthday, out of so many topics, the Bible will still come in. The gospel message will still come in. So that you can approve the things that are superior and can be pure. And here's the next one. He says, and blameless in the day of Christ. Now, obviously, we know we are saved by grace and it's not our works. But here he's saying the works 
should be evident that you've been saved by grace. So these are areas of our life that requires attention. These are areas of our life that requires growth. And then he moves on to mention this in verse 11. He says, filled with the fruit of righteousness. See, righteousness is a fruit. It, it comes through maturity. It comes through growth. It comes at harvest time. The way we can see that the seed was planted is that you have to bear fruit. Remember what the Bible teaches us? You will judge a tree by the fruit it bears. We can't claim to be apples. And when people look at our tree, they see bananas. They see apples. And we're claiming all along to be apples. And people see apples. It's hypocritical. It's hypocritical. Presenting ourselves to be something that we are not. But Paul's exhortation to the, the Philippians, he says, a part of his prayer is that they will be full, they will, they are filled with the fruit of righteousness. And then here it comes. In case you want to know how and where do you start, what's the starting point to grow in all of these things? He just brings it back to the gospel. He says, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We can't talk about spiritual maturity, about spiritual growth. We can't talk about development unless we talk about who's the one that plants that seed. Who's the one that waters that seed? Who's the one that calls it to grow? And who's the one that produces that fruit in us? Jesus. We, because of our nature of sin, are separated from God and have no ability to produce these things on our own. But Jesus can. Now what is Paul's prayer for the church? That they'll grow in Christ. He gives characteristics of that. Love, knowledge, discernment, Approving the things that are superior, pure, blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness. But all of those things come from Jesus. And what does it result in? To the glory and the praise of God. Jesus is what we need. And here's the thing. Are we praying for those who are a part of the church? That this is what the church would grow like. You know, on a Sunday, you know, I'm always curious as a pastor. Always curious. You know, I wonder who prays like for the church. Who prays that that Earl will grow, Kim will grow, Auntie Anne will grow, Auntie Ray will grow, Melvin will grow. That the people in the church will start to become more loving. They are able to approve the things that are superior. That our church will become more pure. Do we pray to God? And here's the thing, do we acknowledge that those growths only come through what Jesus Christ has done at the cross? It is impossible for a sinner to produce any other, other fruit in and through our lives other than the sin and the nature of sin that we have. That's why we need Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that can deal with that sin and change it. Now we can be the one that needs that prayer today. We can be the one that needs someone to pray that we are growing. That all of these things come from Jesus. Or we can be the one that is praying for that church. But let us close today's talk in a token of prayer as we meditate on this passage. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to come before you, to be called your children.
that we have the privilege that we can come to you as a loving, caring Father, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you in the glorious and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that it is you who is the one that causes us to grow. And we pray for the body of Christ. We pray for the church. We pray for the congregation members. We pray for the leadership. That they will grow. That they will grow in your love. May it be love that is in knowledge. In every kind of discernment. Lord may we as a church. Be able to approve the things that are superior. And that we can be pure. And blameless. In that day of Jesus Christ. Let us be filled. With the fruit of righteousness Lord. That only comes through the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, thank you that you are the one that has made this possible through what you have done at the cross of Calvary. When you died a death that we deserve so we can live a life that you deserve. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wash us as white as snow so we can be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And may this result in giving you glory, praise, and honor. For you are worthy, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.